everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Healthy Perspectives Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm here today with my co-host, Jonathan. Hey, guys. And today we're having a conversation with our social team here at Patients and Purpose. They are part of the emerging digital group here at the agency. We'll be talking about social trends, how it impacts healthcare, and how to create authentic content. So let's get started. Thanks for joining us today on Healthy Perspectives. Why don't you go around and introduce yourselves? Um, Colin Riley, the social strategist here at PMP. Kate Sheffield, social media community manager here at PMP. And I'm Patrick Lipinski, the associate creative director of social. Can you explain how your team works together? I'll take this. Yeah. <laughs> We're one big happy family. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So coming into projects at sort of any stage um, that they might be, whether that's clients asking for social recommendation where they have none currently, or uh, if maybe they've sort of started to establish a social presence, but they're looking to optimize or, or looking to expand a little bit, um, teams bring in our team to sort of help with those recommendations uh, from both a strategic standpoint and a creative standpoint, and then where they need community management monitoring, that's where Kate comes in, uh, and then also helping from a creative standpoint there as well in terms of picking up audience insights and things like that. I mean, yeah, my, my role is I kind of represent the voice of the community. Um, I like to think of myself as like part gatekeeper, part mama bear um, to the pages that we monitor, engage with and foster. I also contribute to the editorial content planning and believe that involving a social media audience in the content creation process is an important way to develop a true community. Yeah, and then taking all those insights, you know, we definitely incorporate them into like the content brainstorms with the creative teams. So I work closely with, uh, you know, the art directors, the copywriters and whatnot, um, and taking all those, all that information to basically create those batches and those ideas of like what the content could eventually look like. So you all recently attended Social Media Week in New York. Can you tell us a little bit what is, what is exactly Social Media Week and what was your biggest takeaway uh, that you're eager to bring back to the agency? Yeah, so Social Media Week is uh, an annual gathering here in the city where a lot of bright minds within the space come together and discuss, you know, all the new trends that are happening with all the platforms as well as like how to push the creative in a more interesting way as well. So um, one thing that I took away from what I really like encountered was really infusing our content with humanity. So like one thing that as marketers we're really used to is the data sets. So like the demographics that we're used to creating content and advertising for, but then how do you actually take it a step further and really keep in mind like who these people really are on a day-to-day -day basis. So like we really want to find out like, you know, this guy might be living in the West Village. He has two kids, loves death metal, you know, like loves Adidas, has a dog, like how can we take it a step further and really think about um, these people as people and not just numbers. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting thing to really take back and help create content with that in mind. So how do you bring humanity and empathy to content? You know, I think that's where the community management comes into play. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, one thing that really struck me from Social Media Week was that, you know, you have your audience, but you really need to make sure that you're listening to them. So you really, you're not speaking to this one dimensional person. It's not sort of like a singular demo. And when you listen to them and sort of identify those stories, it helps with the content. So, I mean, one example was um, Gillette, that um, their razor design for care 
caregivers actually stemmed from audience listening. The brand was just like looking at the comments that were coming in on social media, um, specifically from adult children who were caring for their parents. And it was awesome. They sent employees to observe shaving rituals at nursing homes, and they created the Trio, a new razor for assisted shaving. It's the first of its kind on the market, and it was just because they listened to their community, which I think is great. Yeah, I think that was a big part of what I observed at Social Media Week as well, kind of like trying your best uh, as a brand not to get between people and like their daily lives, but to become sort of more you know ingrained in, in their daily lives, become more part of their, their routines and things like that. So you're not sort of injecting yourself. It doesn't feel like you're, uh, you're being disruptive necessarily in the wrong way. You're, you're sort of bringing yourself into their lives in a way that's um, useful and not disruptive. There was a really solid panel that I was able to attend where basically talked about the evolution of brands pushing people to become like buyers of their product and more to become users um, of their product and become you know part of like a larger ecosystem for that brand um, and that was really really interesting so to talk more specifically of, of our space uh, how do you think social has changed for patients in, in the last five years and how do you think it will continue to evolve so I actually think um, it's it's about privacy. You know, it's it's been a hot topic, you know, for the last couple of years or so. But I actually think we're breaking down our privacy expectations within the social space, especially within the healthcare um, area. Um, I think you know, caregivers, patients, everyone involved, they're seeking others out there um, that can either relate to them or give them some sort of advice. So they're willing to give up a little bit more information as a result. Uh, which I think is actually like a really fascinating thing because, you know, I, I think it ultimately gives us more information on how we can live healthier lives, too, when we have more access to more information. Similarly, I think especially platforms like Facebook have sort of given patients the opportunity for more closely knit community building. Um, and they're doing it very organically on their own. And obviously brands are trying to sort of mimic that behavior. But a lot of the sharing, especially on Facebook, is taking place in these like closed communities of people who are sharing exactly the same experiences. And that's really interesting. They're willing to give up a little bit of privacy in terms of like, yeah, I need to create a Facebook account. But once they're on that platform, that's where you're seeing a lot of like the most the most rich sharing out there. You just mentioned Facebook as an example of where these communities are going to. Where What other social media platforms are they going? Well, I think so this is this kind of gets at another question, which is, you know, what's different about these platforms like for patients, right? But I think what we get lost in pretty easily is thinking about patients as like only patients, you know? And so when we talk about like what platforms are these patients on, truly they're on all of them, just like you and I are on all of them because they all have the same interests and sort of need for that social interaction that we do. Um, and so they're using these platforms almost exactly the same way that we are in their day-to-day -day lives, they may be part of these like smaller niche groups on those platforms, right? Um, like you or I may be in a like a, a, a music group or something like that, or we have a we have a you know a group chat with our friends on Instagram. It might be slightly different for patients. Death metal for people that live yeah. in yeah. the West yeah. Village. <laughs> in West Village, that guy for for sure. Yeah. But I think it's also important to note that each social platform houses different kinds of content. You know what I mean? So like a piece of content on Facebook might not be the right space for Snapchat, that kind of thing. So you might have your audience on different channels, but you just have to think about that sort of strategy of what content should live where. 100%. And I think it's super interesting to look at 
the sort of different niche like micro communities that form very naturally on on these platforms like Instagram is a great place to see this if you if you spend any amount of time in your explore tab you'll note that Instagram knows more about what you like to look at than you even thought so dogs for, <laughs> yeah <laughs> for me for me it happens to be pizza and yeah. uh, steak grilling videos which I didn't know was like a you know, an interest of mine until I started watching them for a real long time. And now that's all I get served. Um, but you'll find like there are these communities that just sort of like naturally come about on these platforms. Yeah, and I think to that point, like the way we treat content depending on what platform we're on. So like, for example, on Instagram, you know, communities are kind of created through hashtags. And, you know, there are disease states, for example, that might potentially be like more visual. So like bruising might happen or whatnot. And so like they're actually sharing their photos with that hashtag to like find other people that can relate to them or whatnot. So I think that's actually a really interesting insight into how brands can potentially tap into that as well. How do you measure success when you develop or when you sort of release the social program out into the world. And Patrick just pointed at the strategist. Yeah. <coughs> uh, Give me those numbers, yeah. Colin. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I mean, it's definitely, um, there's a lot of uh, ways to measure success on social, obviously. And I think, you know, if you want to take it purely from a numbers perspective, it's really easy to sit back and say, ah, well, you know, efficiency, right? And, and I tend to fall into that trap pretty easily myself. And not that it's, you know, a worthless number, but efficiency only tells you so much about how your content's performing. And, you know, it can definitely get at things like engagement. You can sort of infer things like if we're running a really efficient spend here, it means we're getting a lot of like viral impressions and that's great to see. But I, I really do think, especially in the pharma space, we're looking for those meaningful engagements. And I think that's sort of a way to get at community building. Uh, it's another way to look at it versus just seeing like, you know, how many new followers do we have on our Facebook page, which again is turned into less and less of a meaningful number over the years with the updates to the Facebook algorithm. Um, so yeah, I definitely think efficiency is important, but from an engagement perspective, rather than looking at engagement rate, let's really dig into the community and let's see what types of things they're saying, what learnings are we getting. Uh, let's look at sentiment. Let's look at like growth in those meaningful engagements, those comments, conversations, shares, things like that, and see how comfortable our community is with sharing that, like, you know, deeply personal uh, health-focused information with us. Um, Colin, you mentioned that community is sort of dictating the social content that you guys are creating. So how do you leverage the community to develop the content? So you asked me that question, but I actually <laughs> think it's a Kate question. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, so we actually, what's been great is that we have an ongoing uh, bi-weekly project that we are working on, and it is just a way to look at the community comments, see what people are saying, and really start to hone in on how these comments can inspire future content and how we can work with perhaps even like user-generated content for future pieces of, of content, which is really great. There are so many people that touch the business here and, and at most agencies that keeping everybody engaged and basically like creating this sort of empathy with the community too is really, really important and sometimes hard to do, right? So that's why we started doing these bi-weekly engagement reports to really highlight some of those uh, standout comments from the community on posts and creative that we're developing to really keep the team basically connected to the people that they're generating this stuff for. 
it's really important. You can't just like create something that, you know, totally misses the mark on a very important and serious topic. You know, you have to really develop that connection because like health is health is potentially one of our most social products out there. If you really want to think of it as a product and developing stuff to really foster that conversation, you have to be tapped into what that community is actually interested in and, and what they care about. So Colin alluded to this earlier in, in one of his answers, but can you sort of talk through the differences you're seeing between branded farm of work versus unbranded work in the social space? Yeah, so I think the most obvious um, answer there is that people are way more likely to engage when they don't necessarily sense a brand presence. So in an unbranded community, obviously, there's still a brand behind it, but we've seen like engagement you know, through the roof on certain unbranded communities that we manage here, and definitely building engagement across our branded communities, but it's more of an uphill climb. And I think it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, which is just that patients and people in general um, are sharing those deeper engagements in these closed groups and communities, and that's sort of where it is most likely to present itself. But when you put a brand name on it, you're asking a lot of that consumer, so you just have to be sure that the content that you're pushing out and the, for lack of a better word, like the vibe of the community that you're creating uh, is one that's going to make them feel comfortable uh, uh, sharing with you on that platform. Yeah, I think, as we all know, just being involved on social platforms could be one of those challenges between authenticity versus something that you're curating and could not be as authentic. So in the health space, obviously, when you have clients that want you to sort of push out a message, how do you create something in the social space that feels authentic as opposed to not just another voice out in the wild? Yeah, I mean, I think that really comes down to the percentage of like super branded type of content and like lightly branded. Um, and I do think a lot of that comes down to really listening to your social listening reports um, and seeing what the community is genuinely interested in, in talking about and consuming um, and making sure that you're tapping into that and not just going in, you know, whole hog and promoting the brand. Uh, because at the end of the day, like, I think consumers are going to, or patients or anybody in these communities are just going to start hiding and your content and just not paying attention to it, just like they would you know, a TV ad or any other medium that we're used to when it comes to advertising. I think it also comes down to when you're concepting and when you're thinking about, even if it's, you know, a, a brand new page or a brand new community for your brand, thinking about, you know, the types of content that you're going to put out, but also the motivation behind the content. So is it literally just getting your brand name in front of these people? Because for some brands, that's, that's totally valid if you're just going to run a big awareness campaign. But also, you know, thinking about the value you're providing to the community. Are you just talking at these people or are you trying to do something for them? Like, is this, is this content for them or is it for you? And then thinking about that, it's really easy in an unbranded community. But again, a lot of clients, when you're talking about brand, the goal is often, you know, we got to push brand. We got to build brand on this platform. But I think it's incumbent upon us to think about the different ways that brand building can take place on these social platforms. I think a lot of times it gets lost. Yeah, value is a really big thing when it comes to developing content and, and thinking about it through the lens of if your presence on social were to disappear one day, would your audience really care? And, and if you, you know, I think if you develop that community and you develop that content that they actually go to and like look for, then the answer would probably is yes. But if it's just it's very self-serving, then probably not. So social media influencers seem to be a big trend right now with brands. Um, and we're starting to see influencers trickle into pharma. Do you think it's a trend that will impact pharma? 100%. Absolutely. Uh, I think in terms of building trust with a brand, there's, you know, there can be no better way. Like that would be a, a great way to go about it. Oftentimes brands get caught up in 
impressions numbers. Like, does this person have a big enough following for me? And they totally disregard the brand fit piece of it. But if you can find that right influencer that has both broad reach and a really tight brand fit, and you're able to build trust with your community using the influence and broad reach of this influencer, that's uh, that's a home run. So in my feed, um, Kim Kardashian seems to make an appearance quite a bit. <laughs> and recently she posted on social media for a drug for a pharmaceutical brand, included the entire ISI. And I had never seen somebody as large as her do something like this. Um, so I don't know what you guys, how you guys feel about that. Or what your thoughts? I heard on about it. Kim yeah, Kardashian. I heard, about it too. I heard she also had to take pharma. it down. Though. Yeah, I heard she took it down nope, like two days later. No, it is later. still up. Oh, really? Oh, my That's bad. screenshot today. So yeah, I think. <laughs> so it's I, full ISI. Yeah. yeah. It exceeds the character. I mean, I have my, my own opinions, but uh, I think uh, from someone like Kim K, you know, have nothing against her personally. I don't really know her. So, but the fact that she does seem to promote a lot of different products all the time, it kind of dilutes. Um, the message for that specific product. I think like if you're thinking about influencers, you really need to make sure that they are really in line and on brand with your messaging as well. And that their community is a little bit more or their marketing is more authentic so that you're not tarnishing your own brand. And I feel like this potentially, you know, ventures into that tarnishing territory. So I guess this is, this is sort of a two part question. We just saw an example of, you know, good, bad, leave it up to you, version of social pharma campaign. Can you guys think of maybe a recent social pharma campaign? You don't have to say any brands or anything like that that you found particularly interesting. And have you seen any particular social campaigns in the non-pharma space that you found interesting or engaging? So uh, there is one that I think Colin and I are constantly scratching our heads. Uh, when we look at their creative, um, they're a subscription-based uh, medicine well how would you even describe them They're yeah like i would just say like men's health yeah men's yeah. health i already know based. who you're going of to course well, yeah. we're not going to say the name we're not going right? to say it. um <laughs> you know they use uh metaphorical images for their solutions and whatnot um but what's fascinating is that it just takes on a, a it's very like almost fashion focused very very instagrammable content very minimal very beautiful uh very uh millennial targeted i, I would say um, but no ISI anywhere that we could find. And we've just been like trying to figure out how they're getting away with it. But uh, I definitely think it's an interesting perspective and, and how they're accomplishing it, I think is really cool. Are there any social trends you hope pharma adapts? There are. Uh, I think across platforms, something that we're seeing uh, more and more of is both, uh, it's sort of a two-parter. There's both longer form video uh, and live. Uh, and I think, you know, it's something that Instagram is doing both of very well. They just, they launched, obviously, Instagram Stories and Live uh, a while ago, and now just IGTV, uh, which is both a standalone app, and it's also ingrained into the Instagram app as well. Um, Facebook with Watch and Facebook Live, like, these are things that are, you know, it's no accident. They they recognize that people are consuming longer and longer form content, uh, and they realize that their audience is more likely to engage if they get a notification and they say, wow, this person's live right now and I follow this person's content. So understanding all of the regulatory challenges that go along with you know, unscripted live um, you know, potential, like let, let's say, Q&A or something like that, um, I think eventually 
and I don't want it to be five years from now, like <laughs> like pharma's sort of only just now catching up to Facebook. Um, I want it to be way sooner than that um, because I feel like the first or uh, I think at this point it would have to be the second brand because I believe one already has done a live event on Facebook. Um, I think the sooner we can you know show brands that you know again getting back to my point earlier about moving away from like traditional guardrails on social. If you want to do social well, and if you want to truly be, you know, native to the channel that you're on, this is the way that you have to do it. Uh, and I think again, longer form video and live are going to become more and more of a trend moving forward. And I would love to see Pharma get in on the action. Hey, if Kim K got approved, I mean, I mean <laughs> anything's possible. That's yeah. Had to be a challenge. <laughs> So that was our conversation with our social team. Thanks to Colin, Kate, and Patrick for joining us today. I'm excited to see how social evolves in healthcare in the future. Yeah, so am I. I hope our listeners enjoyed the episode. If you did, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. If you're curious about some other digital trends happening in the space, follow us Patience and Purpose on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Patience and Purpose.